The Best of 1988, Attack of the Sequels. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Guys, what is up? It's our big special episode. We love doing this one. Uh, Can I just get a feel of how everybody's doing tonight? Very well, thank you. I look forward to this all all of 1988. So good. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And Sean, anything? Oh, I'm good, man. That's all I want to hear. That's great. You know, 1988 is a special year just in terms of years because in terms of the 20th century, the year 1988 has the most Roman numeral digits of any year. That's 11 Roman numerals. Did you know that? Holy shit. I did not. Yeah, for most of the 90s, I thought each year was going to catch up to it, but we never quite got there. We never got there, and that's because you have to remember, um, you know, eight is Greater than nine in terms of numerals. <laughs> That's what they say. Crazy. Not now they're all really now they're all really short again. I think the I think this year's only got like five. Like what's up with that? I don't like that one bit. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about 1988 and all the stuff that happened in the world, but this gives us a good chance here to just talk about like what happened in video games that we didn't quite cover on the show. And that's a bad example because the first thing I'm going to bring up is that Nintendo started releasing uh, Nintendo Power in 1988, which we did cover. Guys, thoughts on Nintendo Power? No. <laughs> uh, Nobody had the magazine? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have it. I, I never I mean, had it. I think I was at camp once and someone had it and I read through it once and that was that was about it. Yeah, the closest thing I ever had to it was much later in my life when I got that I got uh, suckered into that Game Informer subscription that you get at GameStop every time. Mm. <laughs> every time you buy something, they they try and get you into it. But I actually I enjoyed getting those, so I'm sure I would have loved uh, Nintendo Power. I actually don't think Game Informer was a scam, though. I think Game Informer actually wound up being like a pretty good magazine to look forward to because I also was like bought into that scheme of like, yeah, I should yeah. learn about games. It definitely was. It definitely wasn't a scam. It definitely was a good. Um, a good magazine, but uh, but it was just funny. They always, always pitched it so hard at, at GameStop. Sam, tell me about Lego Magazine. Oh, Lego Magazine was great. Uh, they had comics for the Legos and their the sets that they're advertising, but my favorite part was always the user creations where people just make whatever they want and put it in. That's always on two pages, and it's cool to see. And I, I remember I made stuff and I submitted it, but it didn't get in, but... You was know, that active in 1988? This was in probably 1998. So, well, that's only bad. ten years later. That's all. No big deal. Anyway, 1988 also had, believe it or not, their own Game of the Year awards, the Golden Joystick Awards. Obviously, nowadays, like Game of the Year awards is like a big thing, and there's like a lot of reveals for video games. I don't think they were revealing anything at this award show. They just kind of said, "Well, somebody's got to win Game of the Year." And the Golden Joysticks gave it to Outrun, um, which uh, we uh, we compared to Rad Racer uh, a lot for Outrun. But Outrun is a great game made by Sega, though, so um, we kind of just have to accept that that Nintendo did not win uh, the game of the year here. But uh, anybody ever play Outrun? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's got big aesthetic. 
it's uh it's one of those classics that um it's too bad we don't get to talk about maybe another sega nostalgia episode somewhere down the line i agree with you there sean a couple of other things here Konami in, on January 8th of 1988 releases Super Contra, but we just got regular Contra this year. And that's like a trend I'm noticing across the board is a lot of games were getting their sequels on the arcade or on other consoles, but the NES is just giving you like its very first taste of these franchises. Do you think that affected Nintendo at all? Or do you think they could care less and they were just like, no, we're the definitive video game at home experience. So whatever you get is what you get. I think that makes sense because they you already Nintendo already knows that these games did well in the arcade. So why take a chance on the sequel to something or the new version of something when you already know that something has success? Yeah, and if it, if it's not like the uh like the sequel is available anywhere outside of the arcade like that you can have in your home outside of Nintendo, then might as well just let the uh let the hype of it kind of build up and let like the uh, demand for it build. And in the meantime, don't step on your own sales for Contra one. I love that thought, Joey. That's a true marketing uh, (laughs) thought right there. I love that. And it's true because that's what they would do in Nintendo power is they would, they wouldn't hide that these games existed. You know, they were teasing Zelda two for a long time in even uh, uh, Nintendo fun club, which came before Nintendo power. But it's like, if anybody actually knew that Zelda 2 came out in Japan before Zelda 1 came out here. I wonder how they would feel. They'd be like, what's taking so long? And we also got the first commercial versions of Tetris uh, to be released in 1988. I think we'll be playing this game on the NES in 1989, but a lot of people would consider Tetris one of the greatest video games of all time. I don't know if that's true for the NES version. We will find out. Uh, But does anybody have any experience with Tetris here? Anybody looking forward to that? Yeah, always, always looking for a new thing to play Tetris on. You know, I have an unpopular, not not a big Tetris guy. I've never, I've just never been my thing. So I may, hopefully, the NES version will turn me around. Yeah, I mean, I'm really bad at it, and I can maybe like put up with playing it for maybe ten to fifteen minutes at a time. But uh, and then and then I can put it away for another three months. But you know, it's one of those things that if you can play it on a Nokia phone. Uh, it's um, it's still something. It's still one of those, like you can play it on anything, sort of things. Uh, I'm a fan of the Tetris variants. I had on my phone this game called Spellvetica, which is like Tetris, but each of the blocks has you know how Tetris is four, like four squares make up each block. So each one of those squares has a letter on it, and you have to have it fall in a way that it spells words when it lands, and that's how you clear. <laughs> but it, they don't have to be in a row. They could, I think, they could be however, like as long as all the words are touching. And then you have to, when it lands, you have to drag your finger across it to make it wow. like to complete the word. That one was great. Uh, and then I think it got it got removed or something. Uh, never saw it again. But that was a fun game. So Spellvetica. Tetris is also just one of those things that is is satisfying. Uh, watching lines clear. Um, and then also, like, after playing Tetris for a long time, just daydreaming about possible, like, Tetris boards and then trying to, like, solve them in your head, being like, well, if the next piece was this, that would <laughs> that would clear it, you know? Like, I, I do that a lot in my head when I, after, like, long Tetris sessions. So, yeah, if you can't tell, I'm pretty hyped for Tetris. Can't wait. 
Another thing that we're really hyped for that is finally going to happen next year are real RPGs on this system. Uh, I don't think they'll be good. They'll be probably very primitive, but they're finally happening with uh, Dragon Quest 1 and uh, Ultima 3, I think, are both coming to the NES next year, as well as a bunch of other ones. But in 1988, Enix was already releasing Dragon Quest 3. Uh, for the for the Famicom? Yeah. Yeah, they already were out uh, busting out the third one in 1988, and it won't be until 1989 that we even get to touch that franchise. Yeah, I've, I feel kind of uh, I feel a little gypped right now. The fact that uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've been waiting for Final Fantasy, but I know that that's not going to happen for a while. Uh, and anything like it, I'll I'll, I'll deal with. Uh, I just want some kind of RPG. Yeah, I feel exactly the same because I. That's like. That's what I find so fascinating about like early, well, early, just like NES games in general is like the is the early JRPGs and stuff. I I, I actually was have been surprised throughout this podcast that we haven't gotten any yet because that's kind of what I was uh, expecting when we kind of when we got into this. So I'm looking forward to to seeing some. I would say that Zelda Two is kind of an RPG. I don't know if we talked about that last time because I wasn't here. We did. But, um, but as far as you know, actual traditional RPGs go, I'm not a huge fan of them. It's a little too slow paced for me, so I'm not super looking forward to it. But I'm also I'm curious about the first ones that come out. But I guess I'll just have to, you know, keep on trucking. It's going to be a lot of exploring menus, no doubt. Oh, good. That's my and favorite speaking. Part. Speaking of RPGs, we also have uh, Pool of Radiance is the first uh, game ever based on the Dungeons & Dragons series. That didn't come out on the NES. It comes out on uh, the computer first. I think it actually will make its way to the NES later in life, but it's just interesting that video games, RPGs are starting to take off uh, you know, even on computers here with the uh, arguably like the most famous RPG, Dungeons & Dragons, finally getting like a video game adaptation. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of psyched to to see what kind of primordial version of this we're gonna see. Uh, I'm sure it's gonna be terrible, but I'm looking forward to it. Otherwise, in the console landscape, things are pretty much the same as they've always been. Nintendo has now, by 1988, solidified uh, their spot in the number one, and that the video game crash is like that's over. So. No more need to worry about uh, video game sales crashing because they are booming and Nintendo is selling millions of units for games that came back as far as 1985. Like those games that we first played, those 17, they're still on shelves and they're selling really well and they're going to continue to sell well because Nintendo's continuing to promote them before anything else. I think the combination of Nintendo Power Magazine uh the also the ability to bundle games like duck hunt and super mario brothers together which we saw here and also donkey kong classics we saw this year the ability to do stuff like that and sell it all as like one complete package and then also get you hooked on the idea of like advertising to children these games that are going to come out via a fun magazine that disguises itself as something else nintendo's got a winning formula here that's going to keep them in the in the winning position because Sega, as of right now, only has the Sega Master System, and that thing is just—I mean, like it's strange to to compare. It's it's no Genesis, you know. Uh, it's Sega hasn't figured out what, how to uh, how to get around this market from Nintendo yet. Is the Master System the one that has the the box art that's just the 
the grid yes for every single game it's just the grid for every single game which at first seems like a really interesting design choice to be like oh everybody's gonna know they're buying master system games because they all look the same but then you see some of these box arts and they are just nightmares i mean it comes to a point where some of the box arts are actually just pictures of the game cartridge inside the box on the box which then like causes a a loop of like well it's the box on the box so that's confusing i always thought that those look like dvds that come with textbooks for school or something like that like the box art right they wanted to make it i guess like a matrix or something like that you know that the the infinite possibilities of what was before you but i i wasn't feeling that i was feeling like wow these games are going to be very simple when i look at master system uh boxes i I don't know i like i like the the design because it reminds me of those blank vhs tapes um they always had some really cool 80s aesthetic going on uh but, I mean, I never played a Master System game, so I'm just talking about nothing right now. Yeah, yeah it's funny, because I, I, you always hear about the Master System, but I don't think I've ever experienced any anything Master System. In the sense that you've never uh, ex- like seen the Sega Master System, I, or I, that yeah, no I, system? I don't, think I've, I don't think I've seen the console, I certainly haven't played a game from it, and I don't even think I've seen the box art you guys are talking about. It's just a bunch of blue lines. Joe lives in a world without the Sega Master System. Yeah, I'm I'm from the Mandela Effect universe. Yeah, but that never happened. <laughs> there's a bunch of consoles, though. I, I there's some I haven't even bothered to bring up here uh, because you know in in Nintendo uh, in, in Nintendo in North America Nintendo is king. So I think the Master System was doing okay in Europe and Japan. But we cover every game in North America, and so that's why we are, you know, we're correct in covering Nintendo because they obviously uh, have the biggest output. They have one of the most popular systems, and even though we're only up to 1988, we're going to cover it until the very last licensed game comes out, which I believe is 1994 Wario Woods. That sounds first party, Mike. And that's how it's going to be, you know? First party games. It's weird to think that Nintendo told everybody else, like, stop releasing games for this system and we're going to release the last game. But I think that's how it's going to be. And so we've talked about games here. We talked about uh, what's going on in the video game uh, stratosphere, if you will. But we have to get back to Nintendo, and we have to talk about the games that we played this year, the games of 1988. And I think real quickly, some of us selected games we wanted to just bring up again and talk about uh, in a way that like, maybe we want to remind people that they exist or say a comment that we didn't say on the episodes so we're just going to go in release order here. I actually have the first one, so I'm just going to keep talking. In fact, I plan on talking the entire episode, if that's okay with everybody. Yeah, yeah I'm good. signing off now. Yeah, great. Okay. And this one is about Gun.Smoke, a game that we never really decided if you say the dot or not. But I think we all 
liked this game, if I remember from the episode. And I'm just out here thinking that this is the actual, you know, like most unique shmup that we've gotten so far on this system without it actually being like a, a shmup. You know, we don't think we think of Gradius and Life Force as like the the great NES shmups, but I think Gun Dot Smoke is up there, and it's also incredibly unique with that Wild West theme and the way that you have to like talk to townspeople to buy your upgrades depending on like the particular stage that you're on, and you have to like hunt for a specific warrant to then like face off against the bad guy, otherwise the stage just keeps looping if you don't find the warrant. And the way that so I think like shoots. You know, yeah, you gotta yeah. press one button to shoot left and another button to shoot right. Throwing that in, yeah, there. I think that's a great. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, Section Z had something like that mm-hmm. too, where uh, you know you shoot forward or backwards uh, depending on the A or B button. It's obviously different than what Gundam Smoke was doing, but that's like a similar control of like using your A and B buttons to shoot differently. I think Capcom was really close to an essential game here. And I think we were all really close to saying it was going to be essential. I don't remember if anybody actually voted for it or not. You did, Mike. But okay, that's fine. Um, but you, you're saying that you weren't even thinking like maybe at any point. Oh no, I was very positive on the game. I also think it's uh, the most unique shmup that we've played. Um, I, I didn't mean that in any negative way. If you take, got it, if you okay. Take offense to it. <laughs> I took offense being like, "Well, Mike, you were the only person who voted." <laughs> I, for I, I actually thought were. you did too, Sean. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't vote it, Sean. I thought you did, but I did not vote it. Essential because no. I was very close to doing it, but there were a couple. I think there. I don't remember. Exactly, uh, yeah, I think we were all on that precipice away. there. Yeah. So overall, like a great game. I'm. I'm excited to see what Capcom can can do otherwise in the shmup genre because the uh, only other entries that I can remember from them are, I think, Section Z was actually by them and the 1942 and 1943 games, which we overall didn't find too favorable. So there's like, there's like a way for Capcom to do this and they're kind of bordering either excellence or middling. So we need to figure out what's going to push them over the edge there. Sam, you're up next with RC Pro-Am. What do you want to say? So I just want to say that I think we haven't really had a solid racing game on the NES that works like a normal racing game and not just kind of passing people within a certain amount of time. Um, And this one is a real racing game on the NES. And I think it's really cool. And there's different tracks and different power-ups and stuff. And I just think that that should be noted that this year marks a milestone for, I, I would say, the first real racing game on the NES. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I really like that uh, this game actually had persistence. Like, instead of, like you said, just sort of moving checkpoints um, mm-hmm. where you could have somebody crash and there would at least be uh, some simulation of that car getting back on track and trying to catch up. Um, so I, I also really like that about RC Pro-Am. Yeah, and it felt really good to, like, get good at the controls because the controls are, well, it's a, it's a style of control that I think always is a little confusing because the camera doesn't move, but I feel like it the motion feels really good and it and it feels like it actually takes some skill to to get around the track even, let alone win the race. And then just to come back again to me because I love to talk, uh, I need to talk about RBI Baseball here for a minute because 
we got a very passionate series of tweets. Uh, you know, you can always message us at NostalgiaCast on Twitter. And we got a lot of tweets about the scene that is still alive today in RBI Baseball. Yes, the original one, but also all different versions of RBI Baseball for the NES and other consoles as well. And it's just, it's just like really eye-opening to me to see that like, there are people who really care about these NES games that we're just kind of playing like one and done with, you know? We'll never be able to like spend an intense amount of time with any of these games, but I think we do our due diligence in covering them and giving them the ample amount of time that they need. However, to see people still playing a game like this 30 years later in the sense that they are having, you know, uh, cross-country trips to meet up and play like a full league at using RBI baseball with that with the same stats and everything that they always were and having new strategies and new ways to play the game and new people who find this community and then join it. I'm not saying that doesn't happen with any video game on any console. Like there's definitely a thing that exists. It's just that, you know, the NES for a lot of people is the first home console. Uh, certainly the first home console after after the crash of video games. So to see this community still alive 30 years later was just amazing. And I'll link to the tweets this way you guys can read what their scene is all about and, and some websites on it and stuff like that. But we gave this game like a favorable review and definitely had some criticisms. But you just have to remember when you're playing uh, when you're playing games that people grew up on that sometimes we're just going to gloss over things that are some of the most important games that these people ever played. Yeah, I remember reading through uh, that tweet chain, I guess is the term. I think we call it a thread. The tweet thread, the the Twitter thread um, of all the thoughts that uh, he had on the game. And I remember him bringing st- some stuff up of, of like just the nuance that he sees he sees in the game. Like I didn't know that there was like a lot of different that, – that there were differences between the, uh, uh, between the team's – uh, so far as he was mentioning just like when you only give a certain amount of hours to a game you don't really gather everything from it yeah i wonder if there's any other games out there you know that have communities that we kind of just like and it would probably be arcade games for the most part like i think pac-man there's just no way we can ever talk enough about pac-man for what is what can be said about a game like that but it happens all the time, and it's just going to continue to happen. So we're just going to have to continue to give these things like a fair shot, and I think that's definitely possible when, like most of us here, this is our first time ever playing any of these games. So you're kind of just getting our, our initial reactions when we do this. Yep. Another game I wanted to cover was Life Force, uh, another shmup. This is the most polished shmup we have ever played on the NES so far. Would anybody challenge me on that? No one would dare challenge you, Mike. <laughs> Not I'm you. wondering I'm wondering because Gradius is like a great game too. Gradius was hard. Not that Life Force isn't like just as hard, but I think Life Force in its design and also like its wisdom from being designed after after Gradius like really helped it just take everything that was good about Gradius and say, "You know what? I love what Gradius did, but I can do it even better and uh and look prettier and sound better." and uh, provide a more enjoyable experience. So I just need to throw that shout-out to Life Force because in a genre that seems very stale, it was really amazing that this game came out so quickly after Gradius and just, like, did everything better. Yeah, I mean, I would say that both Gradius and Life Force have the same amount of polish. Uh, but, no, you're you're right that Life Force, uh, and while not next-gen, uh, 
it had definitely had the better production quality. It had more to it. And Sean, you're next on our list here with Golgo 13 Top Secret Episode, a very interesting and a, another unique game that came out this year. What do you have to say about it? Just that it is notable in how unique it is. Like it's it's such a left field game in pretty much every category. It's uh, it, it has like it's almost a cinematic experience. It has however many different gameplay modes. It has some very adult themes, and uh, I I just was I since the episode that we talked about it, I, I'm pretty sure I brought up how just weirded out I was by the fact that this game was cleared by Nintendo, um, especially for an American audience that most likely wasn't very exposed to whatever IP this is actually based off of. Um, but I just thought that it was sort of a, a sign of like, cause I, I hate when we go through these games that have just this nonsense as a, of a backstory in the manual. Whereas like this game has a kind of nonsense of a backstory, but it, it almost feels more cohesive than, than anything else that we've played. And, um, it's sort of the birth, um, on the NES for me of like, a um, of a prioritization of presentation, so that that's all I really had to say on Golgo Thirteen. Yeah, I thought Golgo Thirteen was like definitely wasn't one of my favorite games, but it was like one of my favorite experiences of of these games in 1988, just because it was it tried to do so much, and it like did okay at a lot of the things it tried to do. Where usually you'd think that like it would just fail because. It's overloading itself, but also it was just like so. It was just so weird, and it like it just kept me wanting to play because I was just interested in what the heck was going on. Like, what the Not hell are they necessarily do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and you know, like, like I I never expected going into that game that I, there was going to be a point where I'm playing in first person, <laughs> and then like another point where you know you're there's like weird cutscenes in a hotel. But uh, yeah, it was definitely definitely a, a trip. And I'd say uh, Golgo actually handled it better from a from a narrative perspective. I don't know gameplay wise, but like from a narrative and switching up on like how you play the game, did it a lot better than Platoon would later wind up trying to do. <laughs> what do you guys think? I agree, one hundred percent. So next up, we have Jackal. I only brought this up. I don't really have anything to say about this, but our fans had a lot to say. A lot of them wrote in after immediately after the episode was published. And started telling us that we made a mistake here and that we missed one for the essential games list and that they hope we reconsider it. So I wonder, before, you know, we have that later on in the show where we uh, reorganize our essential games list, but has anybody revisited this game at all since we played it? Has there been a desire to go back? Honestly, like, I, like, we, we had, we were, we were talking about what games we wanted to, to, to have a retrospective on, like a mini bite sized retrospective on. Uh, and I saw that Jekyll was on here, so I went back and I, I watched some I watched some footage of it being played, and I honestly barely remember this game. And I'm I'm really sorry to the to, to those of you that um that uh that 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 have fun memories of it. I, I just don't really remember it. I and I when I played it, I didn't really when I played it again, um I didn't really think anything of it. 
So, I mean, yeah, it was fine. I, I don't quite remember what I said about it. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't I don't have that same feeling over for this game. Yeah, I recall enjoying it, but I, yeah, if if I if I remember correctly, even at the time, I felt like it was already falling into a falling into that vat of other games that are similar. Maybe it was the best one of that type. Uh, I can't remember either, honestly. Uh, I'll definitely revisit it. Yeah, like Akari Warriors with cars. <laughs> that's a good analogy. That's a that's a fun analogy too. I think. The one thing I remember is being annoyed at the machine gun on your... Uh, is it a Jeep? Is it a tank? I, I think it's I think a Jeep. it's a Jeep. It's a jackal. Yeah. The machine gun on that was, like, locked to a certain direction, and that was, like, frustrating to control. But I believe there's a ROM hack that fixes that, so maybe that's something worth checking out as well. Um, you know, because maybe that, maybe that was the big thing that was keeping it from being on the Essential Games list. Who Who can say? Sean, are you at all worried that people are going to come find you in real life and read you quotes from your episode of Jackal? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that uh, over the course of this, this show, I've, I've made sure never to say my last name on air, so I'd like them to come find me. And here I was thinking that the thing was going to be that you've already had multiple people approach you on the streets and just read quotes to you from your daily, everyday life. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I take steps to avoid that, Mike. Would you believe me if I said I was going to talk about another shmup? Please. I love shmups, apparently. It's the only things on my list that I want I to talk about. That. And it's uh, 1943, The Battle of Midway. This is the shmup attempt at wanting to be something greater, but forgetting what actually makes a shmup good. I think that the new like level-up system where you can start with a loadout of what your plane is going to be focused on, whether that's attack or defense or special attack or fuel. That's that's all really cool, and they approached it in, in a way that made sense. It's just that the actual game is not fun. Uh, it's it, it goes on for a very long time. The enemies don't uh, change that much throughout levels, and it's really just flying over an ocean while planes uh, try to, you know, while you're in, like, a dogfight with a bunch of planes of different sizes. So ultimately... It, it you know it it's not fun for the reasons that life force is fun life force gradius like stinger those games put you in this like super unique world that also have the same great level design and um and choices you know shmups are all about choices and loadouts and stuff like that that make those games successful so i think 1943 the battle of midway had an interesting new idea that I'd love to see another shmup try. It just didn't actually do the things that shmups are supposed to do. Can I say shmups one more time? Is that okay? Go for it. <laughs> well, after after I say this, then you can say that. Um, I, I did appreciate that it actually included music. Right. <laughs> That's yeah, true. I, I was going to suggest that we nominate this for most improved soundtrack. Most improved soundtrack. From its predecessor. So I'll just say it one more time. Shmups. There it is. Good. Now, Joe, this is a game that... You know, it was an interesting episode. You definitely have encouraged a lot of this audience with your words to go check this game out. And some people have even said that we have opened their eyes to a game that is now like a hidden gem. I honestly can't believe that we were able to do something like that. But people believe this with Spy vs. Spy. And you talk a lot about it in the episode, but you'd love to talk some more about it. So what do you got to say? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I think that my eyes were opened to it, too. I, I actually 
re-listened recently to our best ofs of the previous years, and last year I did mention that I was interested in Spy versus Spy, um, but I did not expect it to be as unique and and just as good as it was. It just delivers something completely unique. Like I think almost even by today's standards, I can't think of a game that has like a. I'm sure there are, but I can't think of a, a popular game that has like this this style of multiplayer. Um, and especially on the NES, it's just interesting that it's like a multiplayer that uh, your goal is kind of to outsmart your opponent more so than to just kill your opponent. Um, and it, and it, it sounds silly, but I, this game kind of gives me like a, a similar feeling to like the Bond games of, like of our childhood. Like it just gives you that, that multiplayer one-on-one, uh, you know, uh, experience where you know maybe a little screen peeking going on it's 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 a little uh competitive i don't know it's just i I had to mention that yeah it's uh well it's not the exact same um feature set but the more modern game sort of like spy party uh where um one person is a sniper and one person is pretending to be an npc um it's sort of the same at least design philosophy of just yeah that trying out smart your opponent and if you want to stretch it even further like you can see little bits and pieces of like where uh like where the fun in the game is uh almost in like a game as as uh as dominant right now as something like among us like it's just that like trying out smart i mean this is not not the same in any way beyond that core tenant of what the multiplayer is supposed to be like but I, th- I think that it does share those values. I think that's a great point there, Sean. Um, you know, especially with the the modern games that you mentioned there too. This is just something that we haven't seen on the NES, but it's something that was so fresh then, is fresh now, and is still being iterated upon. So uh, I think this kind of these kinds of games, Spy vs. Spy, and you know, even to a lesser extent, you mentioned Golgo Thirteen, Sean. Like those kinds of games are what keep me engaged with this list because as we continue to go down the list of games you know the big ones like you you hear about them all the time in in greatest games of all time lists like there was no surprise when we came up to legend of zelda that we were in for like a good time right but you don't know some of these other titles so when i see sesame street one two three i'm keeping an open mind because it could be like golgo 13 or spy vs spy we don't know yet true now, Joe, you also had something to say about Bionic Commando. Is this is this the one that stars Super Joe? <laughs> this wait, wait uh, now I feel uh, I feel guilty not knowing the exact answer. Does it star Super Joe, or are you saving Super Joe in this one? That's I think you're saving Super Joe right. in this one. That's the confusion. Um, you know, I always like a game where you save Super Joe, but um, I think this. I, I wanted to actually talk about this in. This and Metal Gear together. I think they, they kind of go hand in hand for me. Because um, when we first got Metal Gear, we uh, I started to see that it was it felt deeper than just like the regular run and gun game. Obviously, it's a stealth game, um, but it, it just started incorporating all these other little elements. You know, you, there there would be clues throughout, and there'd be different objectives that you get, and there'd be different you know styles of of gameplay. And while Metal Gear, I thought was really awesome. Um, didn't execute all of it perfectly or, you know, had some had some issues. I think then from there, Bionic Commando sort of picked up that slack for me and did a similar thing where it... I, I guess the to sum up the 
the difference between this game and, and some of the other games that we've had is like this and Metal Gear are just so immersive and they feel like they're trying to deliver like uh you have a mission it, it feels like a like a more closer to the predecessor what feels like the predecessor of a game I would play today or even like a game I would have played on the PlayStation 2 it obviously it's it's a lot more primitive than those but it feels like it's going in that direction or it feels like it has a little bit of that DNA in it which again is something that I expected to see way more often on NES games before we started this, probably just because the NES games I had played before this podcast were limited to classics that everybody loves. Um, so it, it was kind of cool to see that where it's like, oh, maybe we will start getting games that, that feel a little more modern, as funny as that is to say. I think it is funny to say that about you know modern games, but we just brought that up with uh, Spy vs. Spy too. So it seems like that's our theme that we're noticing over and over again is that when when a game that came out on the nes can have parallels to games that are still coming out today there's something there that they did right even if they don't fully make it onto the essential games list there's just something there that has stayed true through video game design all the way to today which is important we need games like that sam you were not able to join us last week for zelda 2 the adventure of link not the legend of zelda 2 as i've tried to explain to our audience many times but we need to hear your thoughts on Zelda 2. Don't think you were just going to be able to get away from us because in the Legend of Zelda 1 episode, you loved that game and you had a lot of great things to say about it. So don't worry about what we've covered or anything like that. Just say whatever uh, things you noticed on your playthrough of Zelda 2. So I think it's cool that this is, as far as I know, the only Zelda game that is kind of treated like an RPG where you gain experience points. Uh, and I thought that was fun. I thought that I thought I would really hate the side scroll view of it, but I really liked it. I think I might like this more than the first Zelda. Um, and I thought that the dungeons were, you know, they they were okay. They were cool. I like the verticality of it. It can it can be confusing, but. I thought it was interesting. I thought the enemies were pretty cool and fair for the most part. And the overworld's cool and you can grind if you want to 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 fight people. There's towns to visit and the towns don't feel annoying like some towns do in some video games. I I just don't like going to them. But these feel like there's purpose in each one but you don't have to stay for too long. I don't know. I really like this game and I don't know if I should talk about whether I think it's essential or not but uh, I could. Let's give it. Yeah, give it to me. I would. I would vote this one essential, definitely. Which is interesting because it still wouldn't have made it to the essential games list. It would have been a tie. You need um, three fourths majority here, but it's it shows just how divided we are on this game and how divided the fan base is too. A lot of people wrote in saying this game is better than the original Legend of Zelda, which is a you know. A hot take, probably, but <laughs> it could it exists. You know, I'm sure there are people who, like you just said, Sam, you're one of those people. I'm sure that they actually feel that way, and they're not just trying to uh, rile up the original Legend of Zelda fan base. <laughs> However, there's a lot of people who say that this is the black sheep of the Zelda family, and that they really are glad that after this, the next console game was linked to the past, which obviously said... Forget everything that Adventure of Link did. Let's make sure we just do Legend of Zelda 1, but 
maybe a grander story and more linear um, linear gameplay experience. Now, whether that's the right thing uh, to do, maybe, you know, like, should they have branched off into two separate paths? Should they have tried to keep some elements of Zelda 2? Is Zelda 2 a good or a bad game? These are things that, you know, are easy to say uh, on an opinion level. They're really hard to say definitively because they it's just honestly, it's always going to come down to what kind of games you like to play. And I think the one thing that happened interesting in our very long episode of Zelda 2 is we probably had more good and bad things to say about this game than most games that we uh that we give uh an essential vote to you know some some games get on the essential games list after 40 minutes of discussion this one went on for two hours and at the very end we we just barely put it on the essential games list so well, sam just, there was one other thing i wanted to ask you we did not we did not we did not um there's one other thing I wanted to ask you. There's a lot of talk about exploration in this game versus the original Legend of Zelda. As someone who prefers this second one, did you feel like there was more mystery and more uh, adventure in this one than the original Legend of Zelda? So I am the kind of guy that prefers a linear story for Zelda. So the fact that you didn't have to go searching for everything was a positive for me. Like, I think Breath of the Wild is great and everything, but I, want, I wish it was more linear. I'm one of those guys. Um, so that's my take on that. That's a very freshing, uh, refreshing uh, take on that. I've never heard somebody say that, but it's probably true. There are a lot of people who are really connected to the Legend of Zelda canon and uh, the story and lore mm-hmm. of that universe. So it's interesting to hear a take that says... I honestly just want them to to tell me where to go and what to do because I'm more interested in the journey yeah. than the mystery. Yeah, like Ocarina of Time, I think is great because it gives you a little bit of both, but it's it you know it's linear. You have to do it in a certain way, except for Spirit Shadow Temple. You could mix those up, I guess. But um, uh, and you still have to kind of figure out what you're supposed to do, but there is always a specific thing that you're supposed to do, and so something like that, I think is perfect for me and other people like other things but that's what i like because i think it makes it it gives it a richer story i i have a thought slash question about about all this uh so as far as i've never played anything past zelda 2 but everything up until breath of the wild has been relatively linear correct uh they they hold your hand more and more as the series went on until Breath of the Wild. Yes, I would gotcha. say that. But Link like to the past closed off like the like the or, that you're just allowed to go to any dungeon. Like you had to kind of follow an order. Then by Ocarina of Time, you were limited to, uh, you know what you could do as a child and what you could do as an adult. But by Skyward Sword, they really were just telling you like you're following the story and you're doing the things we want you to do. So, so to me, and again, maybe my opinion will change once I play all these other games, um, but it feels like the biggest thing about Zelda 1 was was that it's completely open. You can do it in, in any order. Like, I mean, that, that was, it feels like one of the most unique element of that. Like We hadn't seen that before. We haven't really seen it much since. Zelda 2 was the first one that had to like, block things off and, and kind of make you go in a specific order which is its own you know has its own merit as a style of gameplay anyways but it almost feels like i mean did they take that design element and add it to link to the past i mean i know that now it's 
it's over overhead view again. It's not side scrolling, but it's still it it feels like Zelda Two was kind of the uh, you know the father of the Zelda games that that are linear in that way. From a cinematic standpoint, I agree with you there. Like I think Link to the Past happened the way it did, mostly to copy a lot of things that Legend of Zelda One did correctly. But yeah, it did have to say like. You know, you go to this dungeon, then this set piece happens, then you go here and here, and then finally you can unlock the dark world and stuff like that. Like, those things have to happen in that order because they're trying to do something with a story attached to it, like how Zelda 2 had. And you can't really, like, you see, even whether it's Zelda 1 or Breath of the Wild, you see how if you make it that you can do anything, you're really limited in what you can tell in terms of story. Right. Right, so it feels like they kind of made it all look, and in some in some aspects feel like the original Zelda, but they still snuck in like maybe arguably the biggest change or one of the biggest changes that they made between Zelda and Zelda Two uh, into you know their third installment. Yeah, there's so many things that we didn't even get into in the episode because it was running so long. But there's like a you know in terms of lore, there's a lot of stuff that's very important in Zelda Two that like affects. The, the lore of the Legend of Zelda universe, all of the towns in Zelda 2 are named after the sages in Ocarina of Time, which is funny because that's like a what happened first kind of thing. Like technically in the timeline, Zelda 2 happens after Ocarina of Time, but Ocarina of Time came, you know, was released way after Zelda 2. So it's just funny that uh, the, that connection has that kind of feel to it. But there's things like that all over the place. So Zelda 2 is important to the franchise. I just think in terms of gameplay, we're not seeing anything too similar to that. It's time for our top 10 games of 1988. Uh, those of you familiar with the specials will know that this is something we do every year. I think we started with only top five since there weren't that many games. But this year we had 60 plus games and, you know, we're not going to do our top 60 plus. We're just going to do the top 10, but we're going to do it tastefully. We're going to go around. Everybody's going to say their number 10s, then their number 9s. But please... Don't you don't have to give us the whole speech. Nobody's looking for an explanation on why um, your number seven game is your number seven game. So you know now that's I've said that. I'm sure uh, either Sean or Sam is gonna give some kind of snarky reply when they get to their number seven. But we're only starting with number ten, and the way this works is that afterwards I'm gonna add up all the points and uh, remember that your number ten game is only worth one point, but your number one game is worth ten points. It's tricky backwards math stuff, and that's why it takes me so long to calculate. However, for the listeners, it'll happen very quickly. No worries, I won't make you stick around for the math. So without further ado, Sam, will you please give us your number ten game? My number ten game for 1988 is Spy vs. Spy. A popular one, no doubt. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see it again on our list based on how people were talking about it just a few minutes ago. Sean, you're number 10. Um, I'm going with Golgo 13, and I'll say nothing else. 
I love that. Uh, I, I'd be interested to see if that will make it onto anyone else's list. It, it's certainly a surprise for me hearing you say that. Okay, well, Joe, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, I, no, it's good. We want surprises. Yeah. Joe, you're number 10. My number 10 is Double Dragon. And I'll, and I'll break the rule slightly, give a tiny anecdote that I actually revisited Please. this to see if I wanted to take it off of the essential games list. Because I was like, is that, does that be, need to be on there? And then I played it and I was like, oh, that's, that's way better than I remembered it being. And my number 10 is Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. It did get onto my top 10, uh, so that is surprising even to me. But when I was looking at this list, there was a lot of things fighting for that number 10 spot. And so this one got in there. Sam, you're number 9. Number nine, Life Force. I just like if we can just, le- you know, you have such a great voice on that number Thanks. countdown. I'm trying to do one of those Maybe. Watch Mojo sort of countdowns, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. And Life Force, obviously a smup that I love, so I have no problem seeing that on the list. Sean, your number nine. Uh, my number nine is Spy vs. Spy. And uh, it's funny, my my little anecdote is similar to Joe's, and it was me, um, before we had this sort of uh, this sort of love affair with it these past 15, 30 minutes, I was actually going to come for Spy vs. Spy on the Essential Games list. Ooh. Wow. I, I like to hear that, and don't, for, don't forget, uh, listeners, after we do this top 10, we're going right into our Essential Games list reorg, so definitely stick around for that. Or just look at the chapter marker and click next chapter if you're bored with this. Joe, you're number nine. Number nine, RC Pro-Am. Did that one surprise you? Double Dragon surprised you. Uh, it surprised me a little bit, you know, but uh, more, su- more so surprised me when we played it. You know, I, I've, I've kind of kept it in my back pocket for a little while. It's like a game I, that I liked, and it's uh, underrated. All right, and my number nine is Metal Gear. I really liked everything I experienced with Metal Gear, and I see some similarities between Metal Gear and Zelda 2, but I think Metal Gear um, was just, I don't know, it wasn't even, it wasn't more polished or anything. It just seemed more fun, so I put it up there. Number eight, Sam. Number eight, Gun.Smoke. So you're leaving the dot in there. That's official now. Yes, Okay, so if me and you both say it, we can't yeah. be wrong. Okay, Sean, your number eight. Uh, my number eight is also gun. Period. Smoke. Ooh. I don't know. How All I right, about that. we are we are somewhat <laughs> wrong now that um, now that Sean has made a gun. Period. Smoke. Joe, your number eight. Well, it's a we're all in this together because I also have gun. Smoke. Ooh. <laughs> So well, that is was, there I, like a, I, is there a pause there? That's the is end a of a pause? sentence. Gun. Sentence is over. Smoke. I like that. Well, I'm going to break away. I don't want gun dot period smoke <laughs> to be my uh to be my number 8 game. I'm making Freedom Force my number 8 game. That's right. The Zapper game where you're like on the plane and on the runway and you got to take down the difference between hostages oh, and criminals. I completely forgot about that. That's a good one. Honestly, that, good that one. should be on my list. I forgot about Freedom Force. I <laughs> voted that essential. Freedom Force is so good. Uh, it's a no-brainer for me. It's got to be number eight. I wish I could have even put it higher, but there's a lot of good games this year. So number eight for me is Freedom Force. Sam, what is your number seven? Number seven. <laughs> Double Dragon. 
It was it's double dragon. Nothing to say there. Uh, I just like yep, that you can double pick dragon. up people's stuff when they drop it and then use it against them. I think that's sick. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it actually uh, sounds like you're like introducing like the Oscar nominations or something with your number seven or with your announcing in general. I, c- I could. No, it was specifically it the number seven one that channeled yeah. the Oscar I'm available vibe. available for booking if uh, <laughs> you want me to do that. If anyone, if the Oscars are listening and they want me to announce, that'd be cool. I'll Sam, that's great that you're plugging your own stuff, but I think we're going to move on to number seven for Sean. Uh, my number seven is uh, Metal Gear. I know that this is not the best iteration of Metal Gear, but I, I'm too much of a of a Kojima head to to not put this game on this list somewhere. And also, uh, I have a line of foodstuffs that I'd like to hawk after the show. We knew number right. seven was going right. to be a weird one. We just didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Joe, you're number seven. Well, I'm not just copying Sean, but my number seven is also Metal Gear. Uh, I already said said my piece about Metal Gear earlier, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's fine. And I will vouch that Joe did submit his list long before <laughs> yeah, uh, the you. show started. So he's not just like, write that down, write that down. Yeah, I must have up. somehow figured out what Sean was going to say. I hacked into his computer or whatever. And that happens. put it on my list. Yeah. Yeah. But when you hacked into his computer, you still couldn't figure out his last name. Right, yeah. nobody knows that. <laughs> right. That's the only way and to defeat him. My number seven is Bionic Commando. Uh, you know, I think that this game is great, and I really, do, like, playing through it again, I really didn't have anything bad to say about it. I just couldn't have any more fun than my number seven. You know, like, I, I couldn't have enough fun to say this is my number six instead. So, <laughs> number seven, I told you it was going to be weird. Number six, Sam. Number six, RC Pro-Am. I like this game. It's a fun racing game. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Why not? Sean, six. My six is Life Force for reasons we spoke about earlier. Joe, six. So just uh, going with with how hand-in-hand Metal Gear and Bionic Commando go, number six is the evolution for me. So number six is Bionic Commando. All right, and my number six also starts with a B. However, I've already gotten Bionic Commando in, so I will be voting for Blaster Master as my number six game. Uh, just a just a really fun, uh, you know, I, I want to say that this game is what people talk about when they talk about, like, Metroid on the NES. Like, it, Metroid on the NES I thought was a mess, and I, I necessarily, like, thought it shouldn't have been on the Essential Games list, but that's a conversation for later, maybe. Blaster Master does everything um, that Metroid wasn't doing right, does it right, and also makes it really fun. So, uh, Blaster Master, my number six. Sam, how about your number five? Number five. Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link. And that's, you've already said everything you need to say about that one, so we're not going to let you say any yes, more, actually. All right. Uh, Sean, number five? Yeah, my five's Contra. That's it. I don't really got anything to say about it. And Joe for the for the copy? <laughs> Come on, five? Sean. Come on. My five is also <laughs> Contra, but since we haven't talked about it at all, I will I will say that uh, every, I feel like everybody already knows about Contra as being a really good game, but uh, it actually still exceeded my expectations with having a couple different game modes and always feeling... Um, yeah. Turns out it is a good game. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but like it's a better game than I thought it was going to be. Like I had I had dabbled with it before, but I'd never never given it as much of a chance as I did on this podcast. And my five is Double Dragon. That is the new standard that I will put all beat 'em ups that happen on the NES. I will put them up against Double Dragon, and I feel like I enjoy beat 'em ups just enough that there should only ever be one of them on the essential games list. So it'll take a lot of convincing for me to either keep Double Dragon on or to have anything ever top it. Sam, you're number four. Number four. Contra. It's Contra. Anything Everything else you Joe want to said, add? Pretty much. Different game modes. It's Great. fun. There you go. Love it. Sean, you're number four. My four is Double Dragon. Yeah, I like I like hitting people with, with stuff and picking up barrels and shit, so why not? Joe, number four. My four is Blaster Master. Got difficult <laughs> here because we're getting into some of my favorite uh, favorite games. It's hard to hard to rank them. Okay, so you're you're saying there it's not necessarily your number four. It could have been I, your five I think or your it, three. It does fall firmly at number four, but it took a lot of a lot of thought to get it there. A lot of consideration, we'll say. My number four, the first uh, game on my list that uh, beats other essential games, but is not essential itself, and that is Gun Dot Smoke. Uh, I think this is a great game, and uh, obviously, I talked for a lot of reasons why I think it's fun. So I'm not going to cover them again here, but, you know, maybe we consider it in a few minutes. Uh, Sam, you're number three. Number three. Super Mario Bros. 2. It's Super <laughs> Mario Bros. 2. I think that's supposed to be I know, number I feel one. really bad I mean, not like, including say it like as that. number one, but I, I got to be real. It's my number three. It's close, though. It's, it's All close. Right. My number, top three are very no, close together. Number three is good. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Sean, you're number three. Uh, my three is Bionic Commando. I like grappling hook arm things, uh, so I thought that grappling hook arm things needed some representation on this list <laughs> for uh, n- among all these other non-grappling hook arm games. All right, that is fair. <laughs> Joe, you're number three. My number three is one of my favorite games, Spy vs. Spy. Not one of my favorite NES games, mind you. One of my favorite games. Which puts a lot of um, how do you, how do I want to put this? It puts a lot of power into your next two games because if right. this one is you know is one of your favorite games, then those next two must be like really up there. <laughs> That's true. My number three is Life Force. I'm surprised that it scored this low. Let me put it that way. I really thought that Life Force was going to be my number <laughs> one, but there are two games that I think are better. And let's start getting into those. Sam, your number two. Number two. Blaster Master. This game is like what you think of when you think of video game, I think. You know, it's like Titanfall on NES. It is the platonic ideal of a video yeah. game. It's, and <laughs> okay. it's so cool. You have your little tank that you drive around in, and it hovers, and it has all these power-ups, and you have power-ups, and you can lead your tank and go kick some butt inside these little mini dungeons, and you're the whole time you're trying to navigate this big map, and then it turns into different maps. It's so cool. This game was very close to being number one. And it still kind of is, depending on my mood. But this is a sick game. Sean, you're number two that may or may not define video games. Um, well, it, it definitely it definitely isn't the platonic ideal of video games. Uh, but my number two is uh, Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, 
not much else can be said about this game than other people already know. It, it's it's just Super Mario Brothers two. Uh, that's it. Okay, and Joe, your number two. So my number one and two were very. I mean, they probably are interchangeable. But to stick with my tradition of copying Sean, I'm going to also say Super <laughs> Mario Brothers two. Uh, this one actually did surprise me a little bit because I you know I I knew that. It was very different. I knew it was originally Doki Doki Panic. Uh, uh, Mike, I don't know if you knew that, but it was originally Doki Doki Panic. Um, And it surprised me because I I thought it was going to be like a weird outcast Super Mario Brothers game. But, uh, and it is, but in a good way. It's still a good game that is not necessarily similar to any other Mario game. All right. And my number two is Contra. This is a game that I continue to go back to. I mean, it's just really, really fun. This would be my number one without a doubt if you uh, could like maybe take two hits instead of one hit before you die. I know that the barrier exists, but I just think like one hit overall, uh, you know, probably needed back in the day to make games longer, not needed today. So I will gladly search out for that ROM hack that gives you uh, like an HP bar or something because this game is so much fun. It's just, it's almost mindless in a way, but you do have to be paying attention. So it's it has like that that trade-off of like, yeah, hey, what do I want to do? I want to play some Contra, but I got to be prepared to play some Contra. So I love it. Number two for sure. Now it's time for the big reveal of our number ones. And Sam, you're revealing your number one, but it doesn't mean that it's any less than anyone else's number one. Okay. Number one, Bionic Commando. This game is so cool, I think. I think that the way that you move in this game feels like no other game that we've played and no other game that I've played just beyond the NES, too, I think. Um, it It's hard. There's Sometimes the movement can be like hard to get if you don't have it nailed down, but it feels like the kind of game that the more time you spend with it, the more you can just fling around like a monkey. And it's just it's really cool, too. So... I'm going this one number one. Uh, it feels like no other game because no other game would let you um, have a grappling arm. That's true. There was not much representation for grappling hook arms uh, in this year it's, of NES games. No, I'm sorry, Sam. I didn't mean to downplay it. I enjoyed Bionic Commando. Not enough to put it number one, but it's on my list. Sean, your number one. My number one is Blaster Master. Uh I, th- this game feels so good, and I think that the idea of getting out of your vehicle and doing other things on the same screen uh, was kind of revolutionary and adds so much to the experience of playing this game. Uh, it, it feels like one of the most polished games of the system so far, and I think it... Uh, no, I'll, 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 I'll hold off on that. But no, Blaster Master, number one. Well, it makes sense that the idea of what a video game is and should always be is your number one. I did not. Those are not my words. Those are my words. I know. I know. <laughs> and I was close to putting that as my number one also. Technically, but I didn't. T- technically, they're everybody's words because we all speak for each other on this show. Joe, your number one. My number one is Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. And... This game, I, there hasn't been a game on the NES in a while that has that I have enjoyed as much as Zelda 2. And I, in fact, I think that the last one that kind of gave me this 
immersive adventure feeling to this level was The Legend of Zelda. Uh, and the funny thing about it is that I feel like Zelda 2 got there in like a totally different way, like took a different path to get there, um, but still kind of gave me all the same like uh, like the same satisfaction as the original. Uh, so for that reason, I put it at number one. While I'm fully aware of its flaws, I personally still think it was uh, it's worth my number one spot. All right. And you know, it's very interesting. I think this might be the first time in our best of history. All of us have different number ones. So Sam with Bionic Commando, Sean with Blaster Master, Joe with Zelda 2, and me with Super Mario Brothers 2. That's right. Uh, I'm not going to explain why I love this game. I'm going to just make it easy and say Super Mario Brothers 2 is better than Super Mario Brothers 1. And so therefore, it's got to be the number one game of 1988 and maybe one of the best games uh you know on the system that we'll ever get who knows you know we'll have that remains to be seen we have a few hundred more episodes to go but that is what it is so it's time to do some math The votes have been tallied. We have our top 10 games of 1988. At number 10, Metal Gear. Sean, can you give me a little Metal Gear? Metal Gear? There you go. That's all I need. That's all I need in life. Make that your uh, ringtone, people. Just download that voice sample. Uh, Number 9, Spy vs. Spy. There it is. You know, it... It, there it is. It's on the list. It's a little interesting because, you know, I some people put this very high up on their list and, like, they're number 10 or they're number 9, but I think Joe really carried the weight there, putting it as his number 3. Most likely number Number 8, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. You could argue that Joe single-handedly get this, got this one <laughs> on the list. You'd be right. Yeah, but, that's true. <laughs> it was at number 10 for someone else, right? Uh, yes, it was a number 10, no, it was a number 10 for me, and it was a number 5, yeah. I believe, yeah. for Sam. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know, that's number 5 is a, a big help. You're welcome. A total of 16 points, so not Happy bad. Happy to have you, Sam. Okay, so there there is a tie here uh, for 16 points, though. Zelda 2 had 16 points. However, not everybody put it on their list, so I put it at number 8. At number 7, with 16 points is gun dot smoke which everyone did put on their list so i feel like i'm validated in saying that that is the number seven that's a good way to say it yeah great fine and then number six is also with 16 points however not only is it also on everyone's list it's already an essential game so for that reason it should be above the two non-essential games are we okay with me calling life force the number six game. That's also more than reasonable. I'll yes. allow it. Oh my gosh, it's you're making fine. me laugh over here. Anyway, moving on to number five with 18 points. That is Double Dragon. Number four with 27 points. That's a huge uh, up uptick, if you will. 
Number four is Bionic Commando. Number three, with just one extra point at 28, is Contra. So what's it down to, guys? What are the last two games? Well, we got Super Mario Brothers. Blaster Master. And what are we missing? Oh, Blaster Master, right. And Blaster Master, a game that Joe put as his number four and says, what's the other game? That's right. Well, I I didn't Uh, have a lot of time to look through the list, Mike. Yeah, no, I totally feel it. I totally feel it. Uh, Anyway, at number two with 31 points is Blaster Master. And just to show you that Mario is king, he not only gets the number one spot, he gets it with 36 points. That is Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, with 36 points and our number one game of 1988. I don't think anybody uh, would be um, would be against that. Am I right? Wowie zowie. Not at all. Wowie zowie. For reference, uh, The Legend of Zelda in 1987 got 37 points, so technically more points than Super Mario Brothers 2. And um, in our best of 85 episode, I feel like Super Mario Brothers almost got like 39 points. Probably. Like it came, I, it probably 40. It actually probably got the perfect <laughs> score. I don't think anybody. Actually, Joe might have put Duck Hunt. I put Duck Hunt. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, these are games that are being graded on their, the, the games that came out in the same year. So they're not, they're not really comparable. done the top 10 games of 1988 now we have a very important task probably the most important task that there could be for a podcast that is pretty much only liked for their essential games list our whole value is stored in our essential games list so i feel like if there was ever a time to take a look at the essential games list and reevaluate it now would be the time however we have some unfinished business with the essential games list, uh, two games that we need to get out of the way before we can debate the rest of the list. Those two games are Adventure Island and Castlevania II Simon's Quest. Adventure Island is what we would consider a lost episode. Make no mistake, it was recorded. We did our due diligence. Instead, we put out a fun bonus episode for everybody to listen to. If you don't know which one I'm referring to, you can find it. Just do some homework. (laughs) And uh, Adventure Island is a game that will eventually someday come out. But due to the pandemic, we do not have access to that hard drive. And we don't know if we'll ever have access to that hard drive again. But we look forward to um, hearing our original thoughts and not remaking that episode today. We, we can However, clarify, though, that it is not an essential game. <laughs> yes. Right. So that's what we need to do. We need to say right now that it is not on our essential games list to avoid confusion. 
And everybody agrees with that, correct? Correct. That correct. correct. Hopefully I'm not okay. contradicting what I said in that episode, but I'm pretty sure I did not vote as essential. <laughs> that sounds that that would be so funny it comes up like years <laughs> later. It'll be all over the newspapers. Right, yeah. Okay, so Castlevania 2 I don't know what happened, guys, but we did, we never said our essential games list votes. It's weird. Well, I remember I, starting that episode. Every time I look at like one uh, one of our internal lists, though, it's like already on there, but I don't remember voting for it. Like it's on my list of essential games, but I don't remember even yeah casting a vote. Yeah, and for that reason, I think we need to take a second look at the second Castlevania. Is everybody okay with us voting on that again yes. right here? Yeah, sure. Okay, so Sean, would you please give us your vote for Castlevania II Simon's Quest on the Nintendo Entertainment System? Well, you know, traveling backwards in time, uh, we recently just played a similar game, uh, which was called Zelda II, uh, the, the Legend of Zelda Link. Um, and I thought that, that those two games share a lot of similarities. Um, they're both based off of you know, one of some of my favorite games from our, our, the early days of, of this podcast, uh, and they, they both weren't as good as those games. Um, so I would say uh, that it's not essential, even even though it's it's quite the it's quite the interesting experience in the wild ride, but it's not essential for uh, me. All right, that's totally fine, Joe. Your essential games list vote. So I actually agree that I do think it is very similar to Zelda, and I also think that both of those games are not as good as their predecessors. Uh, but something about... Uh, I, I, th- I feel like Castlevania Two really failed at a lot of things, like just in, in, in like minor things, like the, the, um, the day and night system, I think, really screwed it over. And I think that the, uh, just the way that you traverse the world doesn't feel very polished. Um, and I actually particularly didn't like Castlevania 2, just personally, which is interesting because of how much I liked Zelda 2. Um, but I, I feel like Zelda 2 is just like a head and shoulders, like a hi- higher level of polish of all the ideas that, that Castlevania 2 tried to put into it. Yeah, so uh, for that reason, I do not vote it essential. All right, and Sam? Uh, this game was frustrating to play, I thought. That's something that we haven't we haven't really gotten into i guess that much but uh we well we mentioned the day night cycle but just trying to figure out where you're supposed to go and people lie to you in the game and information is withheld and it's just frustrating to play and i i just did not like this game it feels like it should be more linear than it actually is um not not a fan not essential all right, and so uh, it already couldn't be on the essential games list after Joe and Sean voted no, but Sam solidifies the no, and I will add a no as well. And and here's one thing, since we're talking about like being able to experience Zelda 2 and now vote for this game on the essential games list, Zelda 2 is a departure from Zelda 1, but it's not like a significant departure. It's just like a different way of playing a Zelda game. Castlevania 2 is way too different from what Castlevania 1 was offering and honestly Castlevania 1 is probably my my favorite game on the system so it's really weird to then experience this kind of game i did have like some fun just from the fact that it's in the, the Castlevania world and like you still get to use the awesome whip and everything like that like i had fun with it 
but I can't recommend this game even on like a play it level just because of the, uh, you know, all the frustrating things that Sam mentioned, but also just like, I think if you wanted to experience Castlevania on the NES, this is probably going to be the, the least likely, uh, entry in the series that anybody would recommend you. Uh, I'm sure people would either say Castlevania 1 or 3 before they ever suggest 2. 2 is, we were talking about Zelda 2 being the black sheep, 2 is actually the black sheep of the Castlevania NES games. It, it's unlike, I, you know, I'm not even sure what they were thinking other than, well, Nintendo did this with Zelda 2, so we should do this with Castlevania 2. And so it's not on our essential games list. It's simple as that. All right, I can cross that out. <laughs> we have added nothing to our essential games list, but we've technically removed Castlevania 2 if you uh, count that it was a mistake ever putting it on there. Yes. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at the current essential games list. I'm going to read off the games, and then everybody will be invited. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, this is a free forum here, so but not a free-for-all. Don't get nasty with each other. We're going to read the Essential Games list, and then we're going to make the case to add or remove any games on this list. The current Essential Games list for Nostalgia as of January 2021 is Duck Hunt, Super Mario Bros., Balloon Fight, Gradius, Castlevania, Kid Icarus, Metroid, The Legend of Zelda, Stinger, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Mega Man, Contra, Double Dragon, Life Force, Spy vs. Spy, Super Mario Bros. 2, Blaster Master, and Bionic Commando. Gentlemen, who would like to take the floor first? Will, will, the, will the chair it... recognize uh, the representative from, from Buffalo uh, to speak? The The chair will recognize Mr. Oh, shit. I said it. I said oh it. My you didn't it. Finish oh my it. gosh, I gotta delete it's it. I gotta ghost. delete it. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, you didn't finish just it. beeped it out. I will just bleep it out. I will just bleep it out, but that's crazy. Oh my gosh. Alright, you have the floor with two minutes. Alright. Uh, I'd like to take this time just to make a statement, not so much call a vote, uh, but uh, the resolution to recognize Spy vs. Spy as a game that I was going to recommend removal from the list, but all of the hugs and kisses and uh, <laughs> all the lovely things we had to say about it has convinced me that a vote is not required unless a co-sponsor would like to step forward. I would like to step forward. My, yes. my. Yours, yours. That's very interesting. A removal for Spy vs. Spy. Uh, is this being led by Sam or by Sean? It is a co-sponsorship uh, for the bill between uh, Sam and Sean. Now, let me remind everybody of the rules and why this is so difficult uh, for the listeners at home. All four of us must agree that something is either added or removed. There is no just majority anymore. You actually have to get every single person to agree. So with that... Uh, I will stay undecided, but I will remind you that you both, uh, Sam and Sean, have the burden of convincing one uh, Joseph of why he should remove this from the Essential Games list. Of course. And and you Uh, know what? I'll I'll just say that I... You you know I very much love this game, but I'm open to convincing about anything. So (laughs) so I'll I'll hear hear it, and I'll I'll try and remain open. I'll, I'll start with the argument, then. 
My argument would be for the removal of Spy vs. Spy from the essential games list. Although it is a very good and very... Uh, not, not revolutionary, but it is a, it is a very unique game uh, for its mode of play. I will say that it is the most rudimentary way for it to be unique. Um, it doesn't quite have the the polish that we're used to for an essential game. Uh, it it's almost uh, uh, it, it's almost primitive in some in some respects. the the real The real value to the game, I think, as this sort of oddball, uh, doesn't quite live up to the standard of of polish and uh, and uh, ease of use as many of those on the essential games list. I don't know if my co-sponsor has anything to add. Uh, I would... uh, Wow, that was very eloquent. I'm not sure if I can match that tone. But I think that you're right in that it's a very... It's a very simply presented game where it's... I mean, the art in it is not that good and... The rooms all kind of look the same. Um, I'd also say that the the gameplay loop is pretty much... I mean, not the loop, but the, the game itself doesn't really change much. And I think that a lot of the fanfare it's got was because it was so unexpected. And that's just why we all like it. And I, I like it too. I will say also, this game seems like it'd be best um, with like played with someone else. And as an only child who had to play games by himself growing up, that it just doesn't seem that fun to me. So that's that's my my other take on it. Yeah, that was going to be the only point I would add to is just you know wondering is it um, is it essential if it only ever came with a one player mode? And you know I don't know if that is actually an argument because in today's day and age, like you know you can always find a a player to play with uh you know whether on a traditional nes or just you know using netplay or something online so i'm not sure how much that actually matters in the grand scheme of what we're arguing here but it definitely feels like a game that is significantly better when you play with an actual real person as opposed to the computer joe your answers Uh, i will say that yes if if this didn't come with a multiplayer mode i wouldn't vote it essential i I don't just because i don't think it's it's fun to play against a computer and something like that, but um, but it does come with a multiplayer mode, and and I think that that is it's an essential game because of its multiplayer multiplayer mode in my eyes. Um, so yeah, it's definitely best with another player. I understand if you if you didn't care for it if you played it solo because it, I, I think that's a totally different experience. Um, as far as the art and the rooms looking similar, I, yes, the, I, I agree the rooms look similar. I think that's actually part of the game. I think that's part of what makes it uh, a little bit more of a challenge because you're trying to decipher and remember what's in each room with very with those little differences of clues. And the art, yeah, it, it was not a big importance to me. But yes, it is. the art is not the best, but it's also the art of Spy versus Spy, which is what it's, you know... Uh, a very simply drawn cartoon that already existed. Um, But in terms of like the gameplay 
not the loop, but just the gameplay in general, I actually, see, because I had the opposite experience. I at first started playing it thinking, like, okay, it's kind of shallow, it's fun for a few minutes. But the, the longer that I played it, the more I realized that, like, there is actually a lot of strategy involved, and it, and it, it changes depending on, like, the, the type of strategy your opponent's using. I mean, I... I if we revisit that episode, like I know I definitely talked a lot about how my strategy evolved over the time, uh, you know, with each playthrough where like at first my, my strategy was just to try and set traps and, you know, have my opponent die as much as possible to loot, to make their time go down. But then I eventually found the, the merit and actually finding the things quicker than the other person because he had found a way to use my strategy against me. And I don't remember the exact details, but Every time, I, and I've played this game since, and every time I've played this game, it's evolved for me. So, so maybe in the actual the programming of the game, it's simple. But what the rules of the game do and, and allow for is for the the two opponents to make the game evolve over time. Um, and then my last question is, I guess I I'm curious, Sean, as to what exactly you mean by polish. I, I know the one thing that stands out in my mind as like a as an unpolished thing is the is the way you select your items, which is a minor flaw in my eyes, but very forgivable because there's so few buttons on the NES. There probably was a better way for them to do it, but it didn't, uh, to me, it didn't really hurt the experience once I got used to it. I, I would say that when I say that the game isn't very polished, I would point to uh, the uh, fumbly sort of menus and uh, just controlling the game in general, but I would also say that uh, the visuals of the game are lacking not 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 just because the rooms look similar enough to confuse the player but the art within them is also pretty rudimentary uh but i understand that that is not the sole reason why one would put it on the essential games list it just is sort of the black sheep of the essential games list in in that regard okay cool and i i i see what you're saying but the the only the only other thing i would say is if we look at Duck Hunt, which I hope nobody else is, is considering that too low on the list. But we look at Duck Hunt, it is also just a... It, there's just kind of two experiences on that, but they're but they're they're fun every time, you know? They, they, yes, they're... It doesn't get much deeper than the, than the two gameplay modes, three, I guess, technically, but uh, it doesn't get too much deeper than you're pointing at the screen and you're shooting at targets, but it works so well, and, and it's got enough charm True. to it that it, to me... It deserves its spot, just like I. Yeah, do I'm still. Think I'm also not spot. trying to use like the transitive property from game to game. Like, oh, if like because there are games that are trying to do different things. So I, I'm not. I'm not using like oh, duck hunt is simple, so that should also go. No, no, I know, and uh, that that was just my using that for for the the one element of it being too samey after multiple playthroughs or whatever not getting any deeper but yeah i hear you all right i yield so it sounds like joe will not be convinced and that is uh that is fine um that's how things work you know you the burden is to remove the games that's why it's so important when they get added you have to think about your consequences of your actions but here we are spy vs spy still on the list are there any other challenges out there? Well, I, I have something to say. It's not, I'm not challenging, um, but uh, I, I looked at some of these games beforehand, uh, just re-looked at some of them that I thought I might consider taking off. And one of them I looked at 
because my memory said that it wouldn't uh, that it, that maybe it shouldn't be on there was Kid Icarus, uh, and I did replay I it. And I oh, see, I, I was gonna say I did replay it, and I did come to the conclusion that I would not challenge because I, I do think it is actually better than I was remembering in my memory. <laughs> but I will say that I I put Kid Icarus where Sean, I think you just said where you were putting. Uh, uh, Spy versus Spy as like the uh, the bottom of the essential games. Like I think Kid Icarus stays on in my eyes right now. Unless if I could become the vote that needs to take it off, if everyone else wants to take it off, I probably won't uh, no, stand I in think, the way there. I think the other guys like it too much. I don't even challenge it anymore. But I don't like that gotcha. game at all. I, I was just <laughs> going to say that that is. I like it on the essential games list right now, but it's on thin ice for me. So if we start to get a lot more good games next year and the year after, maybe I will take another look at it. And I, I will say that for me, the uh, the moment the Kid Icarus is starting to get talks of being removed, I, I would only remove this game if a game like Metroid was also going to be removed. Mm. I, I think that, um, you know, if we're going to remove a game as good as Kid Icarus, we kind of have to scratch the, the backs of other people in order to make that <laughs> Oh, work. man. So, <laughs> we're we're, we're um, wheeling and dealing now. So, no, that's all. That's all I'm going to say. You know, no one is ready for this convo. And we're, you know, I don't, I don't even know how serious I am, but I'm just going to say that I think Duck Hunt, for everything that it is, should be replaced by Freedom Force. Hmm. I don't think I can do that. I don't know if I can do that, too. I think there's something to the simplicity of Duck Hunt that makes it essential. Yeah, it's funny because I really, really liked Freedom Force. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I would be... I know we're not into this point yet, but I'm. I would be interested in voting it on. I know it's weird to have two on there, but if we had to pick one or the other, I think I would still go with Duck Hunt because Freedom Force was something I enjoyed that one time and will probably never play again. Duck Hunt, I feel like I can just play forever. And you feel that way just because of the uh, the simple fun and joy that it is to shoot ducks. Correct? <laughs> oh okay, you're putting God. weird words in my mouth. Uh, I, as if you recall, I liked the uh, the disc version of uh, you know the shooting right, play right, discs much version. better than the ducks. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was a good tactic by you by you there. No, Attack I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. You know, I I do think it would be hard to have both on there um, because the only reason why I would really want Freedom Force on there is because I consider it just the better version of Duck Hunt. And granted, they have completely different modes, so it's hard to say something's the better version of something else. But in terms of Zapper games, I think that Freedom Force does everything better while being a little more complicated. It does things better in terms of being a um, an action-packed, you know, uh, light gun game than duck hunt did you know duck hunt is repetitive and is fun no doubt but it is repetitive whereas freedom force offers this um you know this choice that we saw in hogan's alley that uh that is finally done the correct way in freedom force but i'm not you know I'm not going to say remove Duck Hunt. I think that's crazy. It's more like replace Duck Hunt. That is removing Duck Hunt. Slightly less crazy. <laughs> yeah. Slightly less uh, crazy. But I will say one more thing that I just kind of thought of right now, too, is that um, I think that the reason that, like, Hogan's Alley and uh, Wild Gunman and stuff didn't get on either was, or at least in my eyes, was because Duck Hunt actually feels like it's about the target practice. Like, the accuracy of Duck Hunt actually feels like you, you're getting better in that way. Whereas Freedom Force, I mean, it did feel accurate, but it does also, it, it doesn't, it, it, the hitboxes are bigger. It does feel, 
it feels a little less about the accuracy and more about the uh, the like kind of going through your your mission, which game, video games have done that a lot, you know, in other you know in the future. Whereas I feel like Duck Hunt, like you just don't get a lot that are like actually about your skill and your aiming, at least that I know of. So that's what stood out to Duck Hunt. Where it was like I actually felt like oh, I can practice at this and get better at it, and it's actually like I'm getting better. I mean, obviously, it doesn't translate to anything outside of a video game, but uh, it felt a little different because of that. Okay, that's that's fair too. Uh, here's another one, and I voted for it, but I'm I'm saying that I do think it's time for Stinger to leave the essential games list. It is not as good as Gradius and Life Force, but it is incredibly fun, and it's silly, and it's exactly uh, what I like in my shmups. I just think that when I look at Stinger, it was more on it was on that list because it was doing different stuff than Gradius, and now that we also have Life Force on there, I'm not quite sure we need Stinger um, to stay. You know, I'll back you on that. Um just because that's kind of where I stood when Stinger first came out, that it was really fun, but it, but it, it just missed the mark for me. So I'm, I'm with you. So we would need uh, to hear from Sam and Sean here on how you guys think. Uh, are, you, are you with it or are you um, are, with it? What does that mean? Are you for keeping it on or do you want it removed? I'm a, I'm, I'm just, I've just been deliberating amongst uh, myself. <laughs> um your caucus, yep. Yes, and I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, like, I'm, I, I kind of want to play a little bit of a little bit of political hardball with you, but I'm. I'm going. I'm not going to be an obstructionist right now. Uh, I do love Stinger, but I do see your point, uh, and I will. I will concede. I. So that would mean Sam. All right, guys. Uh, no, I kind of feel similar to Sean because it, it's such a cool little game and it's very polished and it's fun. And I don't feel like I feel like it gives something different than uh, Life Force and Gradius. I think that it's like a different kind of game than a different kind of shmup than those. Um it's a different yeah. kind of shmup, but I, I'm arguing that Gradius and Life Force do the shmup genre more justice and are better served just having those two on than keeping yeah. Stinger on uh, as well. I will not be obstructionist either, but I do think that this game is great. So I'll say that. So you're I'm saying okay it's that. okay to yes. remove. Let the record show that essential game number nine, Stinger, has been removed from the list. Will anything else be removed from this list. Does not sound like it. I will give one more time. Will anything else be removed from this list? Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> You're going to remove Super Mario <laughs> Brothers 2. Our number one game. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, it's not over. Things have been removed. But will anything be added to the Essential Games list? Does anyone have a case to add a game to the Essential Games list? I am going to make a case. I think that Zelda 2, the adventures, or adventure, just the one, of Link, should be an essential game. Now now you see Joe, not Joe, sorry, now you see Sam. <laughs> I, I understand why yeah. you thought that was me. <laughs> <laughs> had you asked, uh, have, had you said this uh, in the best of 89 when there was more time 
for me to change as a to grow as a person to 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 change my views and to change my ways i i would be i would be open to rethinking this but it's been what like it's, it was only a couple weeks ago if not last week i don't quite remember but it was last okay, week okay it was last week and i <laughs> voted no uh, i'm going to stay that way uh, unless you have a very rousing speech p- prepared I, I have something I, just because i want to i want to back you sam i, I didn't uh, should have spoken up more quickly um because if you hadn't said something i was also going to say this with in mind knowing that it we were, you guys just voted it not essential so just to to put my my thoughts out there um i i do see that zelda 2 is flawed and, and it's funny because the the the, the main flaw, the flaw that hit me the most, uh, the fact that you need to play it with a guide. I mean, that there's like real, like the the game is not designed so you know exactly where to go every time, um, is usually something that I would consider like a fatal flaw for a game. Like I, I never thought I would vote something that had that flaw onto the essential games list. But Zelda 2 did so much else right for me that, I, I mean, obviously I voted it for my top game of 1988. I, I think that like everything else about the adventure element of it, about the the combat, about every every fight feeling like a one on one battle, but not getting overly frustrating, um, and about just the the whole the whole the journey as a whole um, felt good enough for me. And and I just have a couple of games written down here. Not I, I don't know what it's going to do, but a, a couple of games written down here that are extremely flawed, but also in my eyes. I would consider essential that are, these are not NES games, but Skyrim is like almost broken in some cases. But I love Skyrim, and, and most people love Skyrim. Uncharted Four has a lot of flaws. A lot of if you play it again, it has a lot of things in it that feel slightly unfinished, like the certain weird open world areas. But still, my favorite Uncharted game and the original Pokemon games, that, which just are broken in a lot of different ways. But still, I would put on my essential. Uh, what Game Boy game list? Uh, so I, I feel like Zelda Two falls into that thing there, like a game that's flawed but so good in so many other ways that I I consider it essential. Joe, your passion speaks to me, and Sam, your extra vote of confidence is uh, welcomed. I agree with Sean though on this matter. Uh, we were pretty firm last week in our message to the nostalgia listeners that this was not an essential game. I will make a promise to review this game, uh, and hopefully we can look at it again in 1989 with some fresh eyes. Here, here. Look forward to it. You know, I had a, a, an agenda though when I removed Stinger. I I don't I like so. this. I don't like. I suspected this. I don't like the sound of this at all. And when I removed Stinger, it was because it's uh it it wasn't representing shmups like Gradius and Life Force were. And I would argue that Gun Dot Smoke is not representing shmups. It is representing um, on-rail action games in a way that we could have never imagined. And Gun Dot Smoke is, at this point in the NES life cycle, it stands out and is unique enough to warrant a reconsideration for the essential games list. And so therefore I will say that it should be on the essential games list. Will anybody else hear to this? I'll jump in because uh, I'll, I'll let you know that when I first played it, I originally had decided to vote it essential and then changed my mind uh, after playing it a little more. 
and admittedly, after the episode playing it again, I, I pretty quickly regretted not voting it essential. It's one of those right on the edge for me, but uh, but I, I, I'd be I'd be happy with it being essential. Sam, Sean, hmm. I I don't know because I I really really like this game, um, but I'm I'm just not sure if there's enough in it to warrant an essential vote. I think um, I think with uh, with gun with gun full stop smoke. Um, when you when you describe it differently, when you when you say that it is instead of a shmup, it is uh, an on rails running gun, something or other. I think that that is uh, uh, that that's just a, a linguistic thing. That 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 really doesn't say anything about the game. Uh, I did really enjoy Gunsmoke, uh, and it was and it, and it was uh, on that it was on that teetering point for me of whether it was going to be essential or not. And it was on my top 10 games of this year, but uh, I, I, I still think that it's on that teetering point and not quite rolling over onto the essential side. Um, I don't think that it is representing a different genre than it, it, it is like it is as a shmup. Okay. So you didn't fall for my trick. I will agree with you that um, that was all linguistics and that I was just trying to find a creative solve. However, would you say that Gun.Smoke is not offering something entirely different than Gradius and Life Force offer? I'd say it is, but I, I still don't think that that is... Uh, like, while it is different, I don't know if it's an essential games list, you know? I'll just jump in with my uh, my final thought here, which is not even meant to sway anyone. It's just uh, I I noticed that first of all, I do consider this completely a shmup. Um, but for me personally, I mean, it's just a preference, really. I think if you were to give me these three shmups and ask me to choose one, I think I kind of like this the most. I, you know, I, admittedly, I'd have to play Life Force again, but it's just a style that that I, I like better. So not necessarily in my eyes is it doing something like that's that's not shmup like, but I just think it's a it's a more fun shmup. I, I, I understand that I'm probably not going to win this battle today, but I do think that um, not only is Gun.Smoke offering something uh, different than Gradius and Life Force, it's also just, you know, that the, the vibe of the Wild West and contextualizing uh, shmup themes into a Wild West and then also, like, making the bosses, you know, feel unique and challenging and and different um as you go from level to level and even like even the enemies you encounter right like everything is designed around this coherent theme but it also works on the level of like the boss's guns right are are fun and comical but also make it for a challenging gameplay experience while your weapon loadouts that always remain the same can only be purchased through like people in the town as you're on this on rails experience, and it just all feels like it's it it feels like an arcade experience that is actually like telling uh, a bigger story and staying true to itself more than uh, a lot of arcade games do. Where arcade games seem to design the gameplay loop first and then just work around that, this seems to be um, the full package to me. But I understand uh, that we can't get it on there today, and maybe we'll look at it again some other day. Yeah, maybe, Are there any other maybe games? another day uh, we can go, we can look at this again. Maybe if you grease some palms, some of that <laughs> understood. Understood. But uh, yeah, well, maybe some other time. 
Are there any other games that are looking to be added to the essential games list? Nay. Sounds like nothing else. That was a, a confirmation from Sean. Sam, anything else to add? So here's the thing about slalom. <laughs> <laughs> Every year. We'll get it back. It was the SSX tricky of its time. No, all right. I, I, I don't have anything. <laughs> and Joe, how about you? I, I'm good. You know if Sean says nay, then I say nay. <laughs> that's, that's true. You just follow him. I understand. Right. All right, so let me tell you where that puts us at. That puts us at 154 games played, 17 essential games, 28 games we think are worth your time, and 109 games that we think are certified <laughs> bad shit. Um, to put that in perspective, that is 11% essential, 18% worth your time, which is pretty close, and then 70% bad stuff. So when you look at that in the bigger picture... We should round out somewhere around 79 essential games, 130 games worth your time for a grand total of just over 219 games that we think were fun, and then 507 bad games. That's that, what we're expecting in our run. And that is if we keep pace, run. and I don't really think that we're going to keep pace. I may have said something similar in the 87 episode. Uh, I think you should just continue to remind people that we will not keep pace. Yeah, I think that <laughs> there's going to be a lot more shovelware the longer we do this. Now, in our essential game genres, 33.3% are adventure, 26.7% are platformer, and 13.3% are shmup, which is down, obviously, because Stinger was just removed. Adventure games seem to be on the rise, but I could see a lot of these genres starting to become, um, you know, all, like, equal slices of the pie as, as time moves on. I don't think um, adventure is going to necessarily continue to grow. I yeah, I guess that remains to be seen, but I think that the, the that that genre title or what defines an adventure game is so open that it might it might start to take a bigger slice over time as well. That is true as well. Yeah, adventure and action games both kind of get this pass of like, well, it doesn't fit anything else. Yeah. So, is it a long game or a short game? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yep, and also just for some perspective, no numbers here, but sports and arcade games were the biggest before this 1988 season, and they remain the two biggest genres for the NES uh, thus far. However, sports is starting to shrink. I think uh, Nintendo came out of the gate with way too many sports games on the system, and everybody was like, well, those games are dominating, so we're not necessarily going to try to uh, attack them. But you know, every now and again, we see a, sport, a sports game here and there. But the shmup genre is growing. The platformer genre is definitely growing. And uh, as I mentioned, the adventure and action are taking like an equal slice of the pie. So I imagine they will continue to grow. Lovely. Just some interesting stats out there for everybody. Um, you know, I did want... We don't have to make this long or anything, but I would love to hear people call out some games in 1989 that they're looking forward to. Maybe we could all just limit it to one game from 1989 that we're looking forward to. Is everybody ready to do that? Yes. All right, great. Let's start with Joe. What is that game in 1989 for you? Uh, I'm going to say Dragon Warrior. 
because uh, I don't know that much about Dragon Warrior. Or is it Dragon Warrior or Dragon Quest? I'm not even sure. I know there's it's like Dragon two- Warrior here in North America. It eventually becomes Dragon Quest worldwide, but they didn't feel like Quest was a was gonna like entice the american audience so they made it warrior instead <laughs> gotcha so yeah i mean I, I obviously i've heard of it and i know it's a it's an rpg uh which is what i've been looking forward to and i know it has a legacy uh but i've never played it or i don't think even really seen it uh or much of it maybe maybe little bits and pieces of it here and there but so i'm, I'm excited to see what that's all about all right i'm excited and Sam, for how about DuckTales. you uh i've heard which has one of the greatest nes themes I, of I've all time i've only heard about this game I've heard that the little downward thrust thing, I think, that you do uh, is really fun. And it seems like this is a platformer that people like a lot. So I'm looking forward to that one. All right. I think that's a great pick. Sean? Uh, yeah, I'm both what uh, Joe and, and Sam said. I was looking forward to the RPG genre as a whole. And I was looking forward to DuckTales in particular. But another sort of like out of left field thing... Uh, would be the return of American football. We haven't we haven't seen a football game since episode one, ten yard fight. And uh, you know, just because I'm the I'm I'm the guy that actually kind of appreciates these sports games a little bit more <laughs> than uh, the than the average nostalgia podcaster. Uh, I, I'm I'm just looking forward to seeing how, what they've learned over these last however many years and uh, what they can offer. I know Tecmo Bowl's coming up. It's not Tecmo Super Bowl, but we'll see if it gets there. All right, uh, Sean. If you had anything else, feel free. You don't have you could, you don't have to hold back. You can tell us. That's that. Okay, that's it. Fantastic. I will just add that I had a lot of the same games you guys are talking about, but Mega Man Two is obviously the one that I think all of us are excited for, but maybe we thought was too obvious to put on our list. Mega Man 2 is probably just going to be Mega Man, but better. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things about this. I think it's the best-selling Mega Man game, uh, if not of all time, definitely of the NES games. And it's going to start that legendary run of just getting a Mega Man game every year. So I'm looking forward to that because we missed it this year. Mega Man was last year, 1987. Also, just quick shout-out, uh, Ultima 3. Uh, that's going to be the first RPG we play, so I'm really excited for that. Um, I've heard many good things about Faxanadu, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what that Xanadu? is. I have no idea what that is. Uh, Faxanadu? Faxanadu. Yeah, F-A-X-A-N-A-D-U. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> yep, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I'm just surprised to see that on oh, here. Wow. Like, I, feel I like, didn't even see I that. I feel like I... Yeah, I feel like I didn't know that those games came to the NES. I've never heard of those games. I've heard of the more modern ones that are, like, computer right, games. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that turns out on the NES. Uh, obviously, Tetris, as we mentioned earlier. Hey, and you got a lot, Kraken- <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know, I know. one, you got uh, quite a few. All right, last <laughs> one, last one. Track and Field 2. Okay, God I'm really it, excited. <laughs> <laughs> Just because Track and Field 1 was actually a good game, let's see how they iterate in the second one. Who knows? Well, this, sorry, this uh, Romance of the Third Kingdoms uh, footage I'm looking at is intense. I can't wait. All right, that, that, that's all I like to hear. 1989 is going to be intense. It's technically season five for us. So that's great. If you follow along by podcast seasons, we'll be starting season five, episode one next week with Bomberman. That's right. We're starting off big, a legendary franchise, getting a game. 
Uh, you may remember that we just played uh, a Bomberman-style game on the NES, but this one's actually getting the, the Bomberman title in it, so that's good. And if you enjoyed this episode and you're like, wow, these guys really do a lot and they make really long episodes and it took me like four and a half days to listen to it, but I'm glad I made it all the way through... That's great. We don't. There's no time limit. These episodes never expire. You can listen to every single episode. In fact, maybe now is a great time to just start over and go back to episode one, ten yard fight, and just join us for the whole ride again. I kid, of course. We've got a lot more episodes to cover, and every Friday, continue to expect nostalgia with more great stuff. I'm Michael Esposito. You can find Nostalgia at NostalgiaCast on Twitter. You can always message us there. And you can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter. And we'll be talking to you very soon. Mwah. You actually can't go back to every single episode because there's one that's missing right now.